you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. Good morning, Dan and Amy. And so we want to update uh, this uh, horrific event we've been updating all morning, as well as Mike Scott in the newsroom, this uh, shooting at a country bar in Thousand Oaks, California. 12 dead, including a sheriff's deputy, the shooter dead at the scene, an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. A number of witnesses have come forward to be interviewed by uh, media locally and nationally to uh, tell of what they saw. But we don't have an identification or a motive. Obviously, this is in the very early stages of the investigation. Yeah, and it's in a wonderful town if anybody's been to that area. Westlake Village is right next door. It's just, you know, it's a safe place. It was ranked number four of the safest communities in the country. And um, it was college night, so kids 18 and older were invited. There were kids from Pepperdine University, California Lutheran were there. And the gunman came in at about 11.20 p.m. their time. Had, was wearing all black, they said, had black uh, scarf over his face. Some say he was shouting something. They couldn't hear what he was shouting, but he started shooting. And one said he knew exactly what he's doing. Listen to this young lady. Taylor, describe, describe uh, the gunman and, and his shooting, because uh, apparently you told some folks that you thought you saw him reload. Uh, did you see anybody actually get shot by him? I saw three people get shot by him. Um, as soon as he walked in, he had perfect form. I'm born in a military family, and I've been around guns my entire life. I've been shooting them. Um, I've seen them. I've cleaned them. So I know, I know a bit about them. And he, he looked like he knew what he was doing. He had practiced. He had been shooting for. Yeah, I mean, and also uh, uh, one of the dead. Sergeant Ron Hillis, 29-year veteran, looking to retire next year, had a wife and child who he called on the way in. And it's just so heartbreaking, these, these stories and, and what happened. But, again, we don't know his motive as of yet. For more on this, uh, how the investigation will proceed, the coordination between local and federal law enforcement, obviously, and unfortunately not the first time we've had to cover and talk about this in recent years, uh, as well as on the shakeup at the Department of Justice. We're pleased to be joined again by Ron Hoskow, who is the uh, a former FBI assistant director and now the president of the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund. Ron, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Um, happy to be with you. Uh, tragic what you're reporting on, what we're seeing out of Southern California, and, and, and another example of the, the amazing heroism a bravery of law enforcement going into these events and trying to uh, stop the madness. Well, and he, the, from the details that have emerged, it seems fairly clear that this was a planned attack, smoke bombs, and as you heard from that witness, he knew what he was doing with guns. And so how does that inform how the FBI, in conjunction with local law enforcement, investigate a massacre like this? Well, look, at its at its core, these are murders. Um, there are local homicide laws that that uh, make that illegal and punishable very often by life in prison or death. So there's always a local interest. The FBI is, you know, always prepared for at least, um, you know, in the last uh, several years, prepared to support local law enforcement in these mass shooting events. 
with a lot of different types of resources, whether it's tactical or victim assistance uh, as, as uh, things uh, slow down and, and start to be controlled, um, investigative resources to just go help do interviews, to exploit social media and, and computers and phones. Um, so, you know, I think the FBI certainly takes the view that this is a law, local law enforcement lead, but they are looking for evidence of uh, connection to international terrorism or to domestic terrorism. As we saw in um, in Pittsburgh, the FBI, you know, took a uh, more of a lead role because of the belief that this was driven by, inspired by hate, and and the feds wanted, you know, the the death penalty to be a, a real option. So they took a lead role. But you know, these are joint efforts, uh, local law enforcement from I'm sure all the surrounding neighbor uh, communities were there. Uh, the FBI is going to go. I'm sure there were folks from uh, DHS, ATF to try to uh, identify the, the weapon and trace the weapon back to its source. Um, this is uh, very much a team effort in 2018. Yeah, they said that they didn't find an assault rifle, but a handgun. Um, and then they described the gunman as Middle Eastern or as a Middle Easterner. How long do they will it take? Do you think to identify him, or do you think they possibly know his identity right now, and if he has any affiliation with any terrorist groups? Yeah, I'm very confident that they know his identity right now, and they are trying to stay ahead of the media as they go get search warrants for the next location for for his residence, for vehicles for anything significant that's in some way protected by an expectation of privacy, they're going to be, um, you know, smart on the law and, and be, you know, grabbing process, federal process, local process to make sure that what they do is within the law and, and that they are exploiting it as quickly as possible. Uh, very often we saw this in Pittsburgh, there is leakage of the person's intent. Uh, others have seen, heard, there may have been threats, uh, very often in these cases, there are you know what are known as these pre-event indicators um, and leakage of of the person's intent. They have a grievance. Um, it could be that uh, very often that they have significant life stressors, whether it's a a breakup or a rejection of some sort, death of a parent, instability at work or at school. Um, those stressors are, are going to be evident as a as they look at what this person's intent is and try to piece it all together. Um, and so uh, we, we will see. But, you know, on the social media aspect of it, you know, for me, it's very concerning because there are these um, places online that that uh, evil people gravitate toward to spew hate, to to vent uh the, the, the word gets out what, what some of these locations are, and I think Congress has a role here in examining what's, what's the role of the tech companies that, that create these platforms that, that become uh, you know, central locations for that. What's their responsibility to police it, to report it, to take certain posts down? Uh, it remains to be seen if that's, if that's a factor here, but we've seen it too many times. Uh, switching gears, I want to go to the Department of Justice. Jeff Sessions is out. Matt Whitaker is in, at least in an interim capacity. Don't know how long that will last, but he's got some latitude there. Whitaker, not exactly a fan of the Mueller investigation, you know, because of the substance of it. Uh, and so I wonder, 
how you think this shakeup at justice uh, changes perhaps the trajectory or the timeline of Mueller wrapping up his investigation and presenting something, particularly after it's been was widely reported a few weeks ago that he would be announcing something of some measure of import shortly after the midterms. You know, the, the, the difficult part of, of uh, prognosticating is what we don't know. And and I do believe, and I know we've talked about it, Bob Mueller knows a lot more than all of us, and he's been pretty darn quiet. It's been very zipped up. We tend to find out about somebody significant who's been interviewed months after the interview occurred. Uh, and then suddenly on a Friday afternoon, we're hearing of indictments of, of new people. So that it makes it very difficult to know uh, where this is going to go. But uh, most certainly today, uh, Mr. Whitaker knows a lot more than he did a week or two ago. Uh, we know that Jeff Sessions has been recused. It could well be that, that Mr. Whitaker has been very well informed about where Mueller is in the investigation. Uh, what's yet to come? Are there additional indictments? You know, there's been a lot of reporting, at least here, about Roger Stone and his ability to predict the October surprise. And did he know? Did he coordinate? Um, what was his role? Um, and so I don't think we're done. Um, and, and I think that as Mr. Whitaker is more fully informed about the progress and the direction and the cost and the projections about time and, and additional expenditures, um, that I, I would think is going to drive um, his view of, of the continuing investigation. If he sees, if Mueller is telling him, hey, we're ready to indict five more people on Friday um, and they are significant indictments, I, I think that uh, Mr. Whitaker's actions are going to be judged in, you know, with, uh, from a historical perspective of you know, did he do the right thing. If they are significant uh, indictments with significant evidence, I'd be shocked if he says, huh, I'm just going to you know, uh, shut this thing down. You know, we're done. Um, so well, he has said publicly that he's against the Russian investigation, and he saw nothing wrong with President Trump's son meeting with the Russian lawyer during the campaign. So would that? So, so you know, will will Bob Mueller uh, have evidence that says this was criminal, and let me tell you why? And and Whitaker say, okay, I'm listening. Um, you know, it's one of the things you do in the senior executive roles. You're not the investigator. You're being briefed on the investigation, and you're going back and forth with the lead investigators, probing and asking hard questions, and very often, if you're open-minded, being informed, uh, certainly coming into it with your own you know, beliefs, um, but, but being informed and finding out things that you didn't know before. And, and so I, I would hope that um, a fair-minded acting attorney general is going to come into a briefing like that with an open mind, try to understand who, what, why, where, how, how much, and and then make an informed decision. Uh, I know he is being attacked by some, you know, saying, look, he's already had an opinion. He should be recusing himself. Um, you know, we haven't yet we haven't yet heard about the role of uh, the relationship between he and Rod Rosenstein. Uh, you know, of course, Rod has been the the, the kind of guiding hand or at least the approval authority so far and i would think uh you know that something may be telegraphed if we hear uh that or that rosenstein is now determined to leave the department that may be a sign of a difference of opinion um 
I'm sure some are going to start speculating on whether Rosenstein stays or goes. Yeah. Remains to be seen. I'm sure um, he'll land. You know, I hope. Yeah, I'm sure he'll have a soft landing Fusion GPS or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ron Hoskow, former FBI Assistant Director, President for the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund. Ron, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Always good to talk to you guys. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.com.